I want you to tell all your friends about me. I'm Media Delta. And this is Batman 1989. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Media Delta. We got a bit of a doozy this time. Um, kind of a very big property. Um, a little, pretty while ago, we took a look at the NES game Batman, which means that we now can talk about the movie that it was based off of, which was the 1989 Batman. And I have a feeling that this is going to evolve kind of into a discussion of the entirety of Batman, which is, let's just say, a big franchise. So, um, I was not the only one who watched this movie. Uh, please introduce yourself in alphabetic order. Hi, I'm Ask, Axe, and I'm here to ask, where are the drugs coming from? Yep. I am Carnival. I'm Norman Rafferty, and I never rub another man's... I'm Torpid Typus, and I've danced with the devil in the pale moonlight. Yes. So, uh, just to kind of get my experience with this out of the way, um, the only Batman movies that I saw in theaters were Batman and Robin, and Batman, the one that had Val Kilmer in it, which I forgot. That's... I get... Uh, forever. I get Returns and Forever mixed up, but... Um, also, um, I kind of hate superhero movies. Like... I've with a burning fiery passion. So, yeah. so it just it's super like a, stuff in general. So like a it's handful of them. The that are <laughs> yeah. The wrong so, one. No. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um I kind of went in this with I mean, I I had heard the reputation of this that people really liked this movie when it came out, so I was kind of expecting something like go oh, really good and well, I mean we'll see. I don't want to like tipping your hand that. early, Lolo. Yeah, I don't want to say that in a way that it's going to be like, <laughs> oh, it's going to be trash. Like, no, but um, we have some things to discuss. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, we're going to have a lot of discussions with Young. So, why don't we just go ahead and start well, with this question? Uh, so, X, uh, what was your general impressions? Are there any particular elements you'd like to bring up? Yeah. So, uh, let's kind of put this into perspective real quick. Uh, I checked on IMDb, there's about 55 Batman films spread across live action. And animated. All right. Of those films, five we could arguably say are the most known and liked. That would be Mask of Phantasm, Batman 66, Batman Returns, The Dark Knight, and this film. So that's that's a huge thing that this film sits within the top five of 55 films, right? And watching this, I can understand exactly why people like it so much because it is a it is a mixture if you if you were to look at the films as a whole including the the nolan trilogy you know you've got characters that sort of sit between like say like nicholson sits kind of between romero's joker and ledger's joker he's this anarchic goofball but he's also you know quite evil um you've got you know you got michael keaton you've got you've got lando calvinistian <laughs> just a part of part of it and then you've got these glorious gorgeous sets just all the sets look fantastic and then you've also got some really bad screen screen work i know that's gonna get brought up at some point um but it's just it's two hours of a really good superhero hero film it's just the right amount of cheese and just the right amount of serious and it really captures the essence of batman for better and worse because, and I want to bring this up and this is the perfect time to do it. Um, 
the Batman franchise hates people with mental illnesses. And this movie explicitly goes into that. So much so that Burton himself uh, promoted this movie as two disturbed individuals going after one another. So it very much goes into how much the franchise really just disrespects people with mental illness and sees them as criminal, basically, or dangerous. Um, so, it, like I said, you know, it, it hits it, when it goes into like the the stuff that makes the Batman series interesting. It's really good, and then when it goes into stuff that isn't quite so good, it stands out pretty well. Yeah, it's. I mean, like one of the key things that I mean, if you think about like think about the um like those vid- the video like I guess the Arkham series that mm-hmm. I guess you'd call it. I mean. It's named after Arkham Asylum. The like, only institution in all of Gotham. And you know what kind of institution it is? A criminal institution. So the only place where people with mental illness can go is literally a place for fucking criminals. Like, it's not even being subtle. No, it's not. Um, and I, I bet this also has to do with the granted, it's not like it's been helped in any point in the last however many years uh i mean batman originated what is it the 30s or the 40s 30s bob kane uh, let me look up the exact date but batman was originally created by bob kane uh, and bill finger who has gotten posthumous credit thank you and he appeared in he first appeared in detective comics and he was strictly he was just he was an investigator he wasn't you know he didn't have a lot of the stuff that later came yeah, it's like he um, had the, the, the moniker, what was it, like, the, the Great Detective or whatever. The world's, world's greatest detective. greatest detective. That yeah. he yes. ever shook for some reason, despite not being relevant for fucking decades. But yes. Uh, <laughs> Batman first appeared in Detective Comics issue number 27 with the cover date of May 1939 with the release date of March 30th, 1939. And in this film, he does zero detective work. None. Absolutely none. Yeah. Um, and that, that just like, it's so um, interesting to me how different this Batman is from the original. That's because of a good old case of too many cooks. Yeah. Because, because yeah, because the thing that I want to see, like, why you have this, like, I'm sure that the whole, like, I mean, I'll just call it a hatred of, you know, people with illnesses. Um, yeah. I mean, course, this thing's been. At, right, and the poor. And poor, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, this has been going on for a while, and I take it that that, that kind of hasn't been shook. No. Um, but yeah, this thing has also been going on for God knows how many years, and you just have had so many different writers dealing with this thing, so many different tones, that it just feels like... And it, it's one of those things, like it's been going on for so long that you kind of it's you kind of can't shake it at this point. I mean, you look at some of the most famous storylines, The Killing Joke. It's literally about the Joker trying to mentally break Gordon, Commissioner Gordon. And again, it comes down to mental illness is bad, mental mental breaks are bad, and you're a garbage person if you, you know, have any of these issues. Um, the the other one is, you know, the Arkham, Arkham Asylum games. You know, they touch on it as well. And, and probably one of the most notorious is from the Batman animated series, which is the, the little the woman who's stuck in the body of a little girl. 
And the way that that episode ends is her realizing how mentally broken she is because of her condition. And just Batman's just sort of like, yeah, I got to take you to prison. Tough shit, I guess. Sucks to suck. And it's, it's so fucked up because it, it encapsulates all of the issues that I have with the entire I mean, franchise. Batman is a person who uses his trauma as an excuse to beat the shit out of people. He's got billions of dollars and he just uses it to beat on the poors and the mentally ill. So, okay, so that's, that's I, I kind of went on a bit long. I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, I'm feeling that. I mean, it's anything with Batman's going to bring that stuff up. I, I feel like you almost can't talk about a singular Batman. No. It's almost like money is a bad superpower, but yeah. But that, that, let me end my yeah, let me end my portion so we can move on to somebody else. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, uh, Carnival. What about so, your thoughts? Batman is my dad's favorite superhero, and my entire experience with comic books and everything had been brought up because my dad has always loved comic books and brought me up to this. Your dad's a fucking nerd. Yes. So. I, there's no way to, to just continue on from the whole of just the, this entire franchise, both of the big two are fucking 80, 80 plus years old and thus have baggage with them that will never go away until they go public domain in 10 years. And then that means a bunch of people can start making their own versions for, and without life. And it'll still be terrible. Yes, but it'll be different ways of terrible. <laughs> But I again. And jokes but, on you. They're not going public domain because Disney's getting fucking copyright yeah. laws extended again for the sake of Warner Warner Brothers. But <laughs> no, I, no, no. Disney is going to extend copyright. Is the thing they are going. Yeah, to they're going to extend it again. They're going to be a secondary beneficiary. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, doesn't but, Warner Brothers own the rights to DC? Yes. DC. Yeah. But, but yeah, but it's is, also always Disney that makes the big copyright. Play. Yep. And who knows, in 10 years, Disney will probably have DC as well, and Warner Brothers. Yeah. We'll see. And this show. I love superheroes because, again, superheroes represent of the... I'm going to... Historians are going to argue, will argue with me, but I'm going to say the post-50 era, the post-50s era, as the modern... Modern oral... Stere- oral... Eh, oral tradition of storytelling medium... That yes, their paper deal with it. Deal with go with me on this. Is just that as a kind of archetype of storytelling in America, as much as like the cowboy was created as a as a modern myth for the United States culture itself. Comic books became the or the just kind of tales to be continually forever and such as you see through the again eighty years in of both Marvel and DC the the. Hundreds of different writers and artists that each interpretations of given characters of just how the just large and bloated, bloated but rich tradition of soups in America represents, and I absolutely love it. Even if it's it's filled with problems of just being a giant, massive mess that has gone on for as long as it. This is not. Like, I always, like, get, get excited, even with all their issues, I'm always excited, like, oh, hey, another Marvel movie, because it's just seeing what other people do with stories that have been around and in their individual spins on them. I mean, it's, it's a key piece of Americana, it, the superhero in comics. And Carnival, the answer is, they'll fumble it as if they're trying to grab a greased-up football. I mean, yes, but 
it's always fun to see how they try how and they try and fail and what they succeed at. So and this is why I always love the just superheroes because it's just yeah no let's just lean into the just dumbest ideas we can and hopefully just do it in a way that's like fun and not going to hurt people which is going character. to fail but because people are going to always fail at this but I want to see people try and do better and when they fail it's going to be sad and disappointing but I'd rather I want to see the attempts made and they're slow but continuing progress. Okay. What about the movie though? Oh, the movie? What what you think of the movie? Um okay, I I'd, I'd like to take a different tack here and discuss also, the movie up one second though. I don't think Carvel answered. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah, no. I enjoyed the movie. It's <laughs> again, not my favorite. It was fun, but it's like not my favorite Batman. That's the Batman the animates and the entire Bruce Tim and Paul Dini ver- animated shows that they created. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're putting up Kevin Conroy's Batman, which is really tough to top. Yeah. Actually, I think I think that is the one Batman that I've seen that I've enjoyed. Like, actually, like, legitimately enjoyed. Because well, I've not I've also not seen Batman 66, so I'm not counting that. And I'd like to seg a little bit here, because that, that's a good bridge. There's something that Kevin Conroy does that no one else has been doing when they portray Batman. Uh, every movie, including this, does a thing where they assume that you came here to see Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne is the main character and the Bruce Wayne pretends to be Batman. Like when he gets bat puts on the Batman costume, he puts on a funny voice. This is the first movie that you get the I'm Batman joke in and they start and Christian Bale amped it up to 11. Whereas when Kevin Conroy does it, Batman is the regular voice and Bruce Wayne is the put on. And that's a nuance that shows that the entire idea is Batman's supposed to be crafting this persona that's supposed to be mysterious. And these movies are not scary or mysterious. Um, but I really wanted to consider this movie in a vacuum. And even, you know, like I know you guys are talking about a lot of baggage. But if you see this movie in a vacuum, this movie has too many characters. Uh, it's too long. It's over two hours long. It has pacing problems but still feels like it's overstuffed. The action sequences are terrible. Uh, uh, terribly filmed. No one moves anything. And the biggest action piece is when Batman kills a whole bunch of people using a remote-controlled drone explosive. The dialogue is nonsensical, where people speak in lines like, never rub another man's rhubarb, you know, for the kids. Uh, and, um, you know, say, like, nonsense, like, any two sentences aren't the same. And also this movie has Ali Knox in it, the reporter, uh, who I've forgotten about and um, exists solely to say 1980s sexist law. Um, I had to say an argument for like the dialogue is like, yes, but that kind of adds to the comic book feel of just absurd dialogue. Okay, um, it's still They'll garbage. They'll see what kind of boners Joker will pull. I mean, it, the problem is it's still garbage. It's like... The big, I can do a 180 with this. Like the Spider-Man movie doesn't do any of this. The Captain America movie doesn't do any of this. There's been a whole bunch of movies that are comp movies. The Blade movie doesn't do this. There's a whole okay, bunch of no, I, I I disagree. Blade does have some. Blade has oh, a really Blade bad. Is, it's shit. not as okay. It's not as bad as that. At least it's got a 15 minute opening with some action. No, no. But I mean, like, there's a whole bunch of comic. Road to Perdition doesn't do this, and that's a comic book movie. But to be fair, that was more straight. That was a straight comic. That wasn't like superhero. 
I'm just saying, like, if your excuse is it's supposed to be bad and that's what makes it good, that's a weak justification. It doesn't have to be this terrible. Nox is absolutely fucking insufferable and exists to make Bruce Wayne, who has no personality, look more tolerable, which is fucking impressive. No, no, no. He exists because, and I'm only suspecting here, Vicky Vale is supposed to be an investigative reporter, but then I guess the producers decided that people wouldn't answer questions from a woman. So they had to add Knox to ask all the questions. So Vale can literally exist as a sack of potatoes to get kidnapped not once, but twice. Also, um, I'm going to echo Carnival. Also, over Wayne the instant she fucking meets that. So and we know I, he's not gay. I want to echo Carnival's sentiment there that the, the writing in this is on par with the writing in Batman comics for the most part. I'm not saying it makes it good or makes it bad. I'm just saying it's consistent. And while there are definitely some lines that are kind of dumb, like the rhubarb line does feel it just doesn't fit. There are plenty of lines and plenty of scenes that are perfectly fine. It's not as bad as I feel you're making out to be. I, well, we have to disagree here. There's you, almost every dialogue line in this movie makes no sense, especially next to other stuff. Um, uh, my, my favorite, we were talking about the world's greatest detective. The only detective work we get in this is when Bruce Wayne comments, hmm, his skills appear to be science, chemistry, and art. And that's one that hmm. stuck with me because it's like, oh, I, I, you know, because chemistry and science, chemistry, is, that's important. Because he had to emphasize the words we would get at home because this movie thinks we're dumb. Okay. Everything else? Um, no, I, I, that, that's it. If, if it's supposed to be bad and that's what makes it good, it's still... Okay. Uh, Torpo, what are your general thoughts? And is there anything particularly you want to bring up? Man, it sure was a movie that existed. Uh, it did. I, I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was good. It was just kind of there. It was a superhero movie and all the bad ways are. I, I personally can't fucking stand superhero movies, so... <laughs> but, uh... The problem with this one is Bruce Wayne always sucks. Batman fucking sucks. Batman is a shit hero. It is incredibly uninteresting. And having money as your superpower is not good or fun or interesting. It's just bad. Uh, And on top of that, fucking Jack Nicholson stole the show in any scene he was actually had charisma. uh, Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, No, no. Can can I I interrupt for a sec? I forgot something. So I, uh, when this movie came out, Rolling Stone did a big, exp- uh, big deal, like a feature piece on it, and they talked about some of the stuff that was cut out of the script. Uh, there's a scene in the movie where um, Bruce Wayne puts that plate under his shirt. Spoilers. Puts that plate under his yep. shirt so he can get shot and then fake his own death. In the original script, they're supposed to kidnap Vicki Vale. And in the original script, like Bruce Wayne changes into Batman and goes after her and rescues her. They cut that scene out of the movie, and that's one of the many mysterious edits where, like, I'm agreeing with, with Torpid here. It's like, we could have seen Batman rescue someone. We could have seen Batman do something good and stop a crime. But this movie is agreeing with Torpid in the level of, Batman's boring. Who wants to watch Batman fight crime and save people be a hero? This movie, like, edits all that crap out. And it's, it's, I totally agree. It's like, bat, the Batman assume, sorry, the movie assumes Batman's boring. It agrees with Torpid. And then, so Batman never has to do anything. He's just going to, let's just watch Jack Nicholson say silly lines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no. I, it, it, to be fair, like, Bruce Wayne is not an interest, in my opinion. Uh, and also this committed the cardinal sin of tying the villain the original killing of his parents, which you just don't do. That's yeah. not good. Wasn't this, this was the first time that they, they attempted 
that as part of Joker's backstory. It is I, the first time, yes. Well, the killing that. joke also kind of does the same thing because the killing we don't joke talk about killing acid. Joke. Yeah, no, we, even office. even Alan Moore regrets making the killing joke. Okay, I'm gonna let me take my stand here. You, there are two statements that can't stand here. We can't say it's like the comic books, and you know, like it's supposed to be, and we're not going to talk about the comic books. Either See, look, the comics are relevant or they're not. I, 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 okay, I have but, never said it's like the comic books. I don't also give a flying fuck that, about the comic books. Also, rebuttal: there are more comics in the Batman franchise than just the Killing Joke. You can just say, "Hey, we don't like this one. It's not as good as that." And we could also point out that, "Hey, the dialogue is actually fairly similar to dialogue." Like, "Hey, uh, they're going to see the kind of boners that the Joker can pull." I mean, yeah, but I think I think the problem here is that you're making a blanket statement that you're saying, like, "Oh, well." All no, you're saying that the comic books are bad, and it's like you're saying that of all the fifty no, years. That's not what I said. Well, I said that there's dialogue in the comic. Regardless, I don't give a shit about any of this argument. We're talking about the movie. That's true. And go on. Um, oh, sorry, go on. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's just a weird, dumb, goofy. Uh, and Jack Nicholson, yeah, steals the scene, but also every time it's some fucking non sequitur bullshit and just is is really all over the place. Uh, but I do appreciate one of my favorite scenes that really illustrates how little Bruce Wayne means in the overall context of the movie. Uh, when at one point, this was actually during the scene uh, that, you, that uh, Rafferty mentioned with the, uh, the plate, the, the platter that he used to protect himself. Uh, at one point, he, he basically goes, you want to get crazy? We can get crazy after he slams a pot trying to, you know, draw attention to himself and, and just make himself look more imposing. And then just immediately without missing a beat, the Joker just follows up with a complete nonsense line leading to him going, what? <laughs> just yeah. yeah, exactly. Just immediately taken down a peg. Yeah, exactly. He, he never gets a chance to really do anything, uh, but he's never interesting in that movie anyway. Uh, and also, like, any sort of action sequence is pure fucking schlock. Like, uh, the, the, the bat plane was really stupid him gunning down a bunch of people and then flying high up into the air and just sitting before the moon for a second before stalling out the fucking bat plane just so you can see the logo and him just killing so you people can see... see the fucking logo the best part about him killing people was for the long i forget how long it was but he, he there was a point where like he never killed people he didn't use a gun it was like a, a part of his code and here he is just gunning people down blowing them the fuck up it's it's kind of it's kind of yeah. fucking jarring, and, and I gotta like poke you there because that entire stuff comes is after this movie. It's backlash from this movie. The whole Asriel arc. Yep. No, he guns people down. He has he has chain guns at this. Yeah. yeah. He has rockets and all that. Yep. And just murders and the, the, the robot controlled drone. Did you guys forget where he drives a yeah. bomb into a factory and blows it up and just murders That's right. people? Yeah. I I. I, I yeah, Torbett said that. I said that. Yeah. That was, okay. Yeah. No. I mean, it's it's, like, it's really good. It's so when shocking. When he has the fucking Batmobile run in, armor up, and then just shit bombs out of its fucking axles. God forbid yeah. we should get an action sequence. Yeah, I have a I have a a note here that just says Batman blows two dudes up. Holy shit! I'm sure there were more, but yeah, just in that scene we saw like a couple of people. But he, no, yeah, it's just fucked up. How many people he kills? I'm it's, pretty sure, he, didn't he also just toss some guy off a ledge? Yes. He, he also caused a massive car pileup. Yeah. yeah. He, 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 the movies have never had a code again. That's something people keep talking about. That It's it's like the light side of the force. It's not a thing. 
Yeah. Also, it's it's like the thing in like it's great though. Oh, Batman never kills people, and especially in those Arkham games in which he he you might have kill him, but you might as well at that point. Yeah. Same with Spider Man in the Spider Man games. There, but that's kind of going on another tangent. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. No. It's 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 all really good. And speaking of to how weird some of the designs are and some of the action is. Let's not forget that the bat plane gets shot down by the Joker who just has a normal ass revolver with a really, really long barrel. It's it's really good. It's, it's not a really metaphor. Good. It's not a metaphor. Don't worry about it. It's it's true. It yep, that he pulls out of his crotch. Also, let's not it. forget everyone loving the Joker and letting him put this giant parade shit on, despite the fact that he drugged a lot of people and killed them visibly yeah. on TV. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no scene follows any other scene. Yeah. I, I know, but you know what? Uh, it doesn't make the art scene uh, any less amazing. Yeah. That, that, I mean, also, oh, the I fucking mean, movie's use of diegetic music is always really good. Yes. Yeah. Oh, speaking of music, I feel that we have to mention the fact that Prince did some of the music for this. Yep, just oh, giant, giant fucking credit at the start of the movie. Music, uh, soundtrack by Prince. Just, I'm just like, oh, okay. That's you, a... You, you can tell us it's 1989 because Prince gets billing over Danny Elfman. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Danny Despite Elfman. this being the one that made the big Batman theme. But that's because the Danny Elfman goes and gets too self-indulgent with the theme, and like he always does in every one of his scores. Yeah. I know he was in Oingo Boingo prior to this, but wasn't this kind of like when he was starting to like rise in terms of movie soundtracks? Like he well, wasn't. Like it's in the eighties. Like like Devo does the music to Thor movies. All the eighties bands do art you know, music now. Uh, Police did the music to Spyro Reignited. Well, that's because Stuart Copeland worked on the original yeah. games. Right. But my, just, my point is, uh, I'm just Danny Elfman pivoted from eighties bands into soundtracks, like a lot of people. My point was more, you know, Prince was. A, I, I felt like Prince was a lot more known at the time than Danny Elfman was, because I mean, Oingo Boingo was well known, but I, I would argue it wasn't as. But anyway, that's. Oh, uh, this put Danny El- Yeah, this did put Danny Elfman on the map. Yeah, that's what Everyone I Everyone loves the soundtrack to this. This is this is when Danny Elfman became Danny Elfman. That's why you guys are talking about how everything is overblown. Like this worked for him. He said, "Yep, that's it. I'm doing this forever now." And also, this is this is Tim Burton before he went full Tim Burton. Like I, that's why I enjoyed it as much as it did because it was Tim Burton before he just completely went up his own ass. Uh, also, not to be like pedantic, but there is um, one other movie that he did actually work with Tim Burton on uh, was Pee Wee's Big Adventure, which yes. came on '85. Yep. And uh, didn't he also do Beetlejuice? Uh, probably. I did not. I, wasn't wasn't Big Adventure the one that had the scene with Twisted Sister? Probably, I know it's it's the large March one. I know that at least. Yeah, um, seems great. But yeah, Be- Beetlejuice was. Yeah. But I, I I can't remember how. Anyway, the, the point is yes. Then he often had not. This was like one of his one of not the but one of his first big roles. Um. So yeah. So my general impressions wait. of this were wait uh, wait wait, wait. Corbin has more I never finished you oh, okay. keep going on tangents <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh, I, I was gonna say like further examples of how the action is bad is basically everything that Batman does is basically via his vehicles and all he ever really does is run away just whenever he's on foot uh, and it's, well, it's kind of impressive 
Well, there there are two quote, you know, a couple action sequences where Batman stands there and a man shows up and screams at him inarticulately and then runs forward and Batman puts out his fist and the man runs into it and it's not <laughs> that happens. True. You're right. Yeah. I mean, that brought back and once with a foot and it's like brought back some, mis- well, brought back some what? It brought back some trauma with my my brother. You know, when we were kids, right. oh, he ran into my fist, mom. I mean, that, that's what I'm. That's part of what I was complaining about. It's like because they made the suit, and then they discovered he couldn't move in the suit, and they said, "Well, why don't we make two different suits, one for close-ups and one for action stuff?" And they said, "No, that's too hard. We'll just have Batman stand there while let's have a Japanese guy show up and yell, shout vague things. It's the ace, and just wave swords a lot and just fall over because this, you can't do action movies." And it was just I mean, like, oh, God. It, it reminds me of uh, when we were watching something we commented on, like, at the very beginning is after the scene where uh, Jack Nicholson gets dropped into the goop at the very, like, at the beginning. Uh, you see Batman throw down the smoke bomb, but then very <laughs> obviously go upwards, and you can see him move. Yeah, that was, I, I, that was my, one of my favorite scenes because it's just so... Just ridiculous how, how that scene was definitely stupid. I'm like, wait, no, he, he, you could see him going up, and they're watching him go up with his grappling hook. Oh, uh, that's what I meant by like, okay, that's directing. Tim Burton is a director, and also this movie was edited by the same guy who edited Aliens, a good action movie. Um, you know, you could direct or edit that scene different. No, the biggest one is you remember Eckhart the Corrupt Cop? Yeah. Okay, so the scene where Eckhart the Corrupt Cop is trundling away like a turtle, and Jack Nicholson says, hey, Eckhart, and Eckhart slow, painfully, slowly turns around, and Jack Nicholson says, think about the future, and then shoots him dead. So I guess he can't think about the future now. And this is so slow, so painful, and so forced, and it's another example of what Torpid's talking about. The action in this movie is terrible. Yeah. Also, I will say, the set design was incredible. Like, there's a reason that sort of aesthetic really stuck with a lot of later stuff. Yeah, I, I like just random vents everywhere. Just the interior scenes are fucking great. Uh, what was the, uh, who, who was the main gangster at the start of the film that uh, Nicholson caps? Grimson, Grimson, something like that. Grim- or, yeah, uh, Grissom. Uh, Grissom, played by Jack Palance, who I wasn't expecting in this before he became, sorry, before he won his Oscar for Right, so, like, any scene where we're in his office and you just have that beautiful fucking backdrop right behind of like the city and the the gargoyles is whatever we could say and whether we agree or not i feel like just like torpid said we could agree that at the very minimum the sets are fucking fantastic and yeah yeah i can definitely agree with that um, i think i said my piece of the lawn <laughs> okay cheer turn lolo okay so um that feels okay um <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly uh, so uh yeah, I I mean, I'm like it was a Batman movie. Uh, I thought Batman was the worst part of it because it's like <laughs> not not only was you know at least Batman can do some occasionally you know cool stuff. Nope, not in this one. And the Bruce Wayne, I I did not really like. I can see that I can see that Michael King was doing a. He was trying to, like, I can see what he was trying to do with Bruce Wayne. Um, the thing is that it also made it kind of boring, which, I mean, it's Bruce Wayne, which he was in. I, I know that he was intended to be a boring, non unassuming character, but the problem is he, they did it too well, I felt. 
but he just kind of was just a dude. Um, yeah, and just Jack Nicholson just is probably the redeeming thing of this movie. Like, if it was any other actor, well, I won't say any other actor because um, uh, Jack, I'll say this Jack Nicholson was a very good cha- casting choice. Uh, I was looking into some of the alternate, like, ideas for who God. to play Joker. They had some John Lithgow. John Lithgow, David Robin Bowie. Will- Robin Williams was vying hard to get the role. The thing I would say about Robin Williams is he would definitely do that good, although I do kind of, you know, I would actually, that's just me only of having seen Batman Forever because I felt like he would be a better Riddler, but that's because my only real association with the Riddler is the Jim uh, Carrey yeah. once, which I have a feeling is not right. But, I think yeah. he would have, to be fair, he, Robin Williams lacks the ability to be menacing like Jack Nichols. I don't, I don't know. The one thing about Robin Williams, this is 80s Robin Williams. He's super yeah. on coke the entire time. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a fair because if you see him in Insomnia, the, the remake of the Swedish film, he's really intimidating, even when he's at his most vulnerable. But yeah, 80s coked up Robin Williams, no, uh, not although, at all. Although actually, um, one hour photo. Yes, yeah, one, hour say, photo. one hour photo is, yes, that. Yeah, but that's also way later. But, that's when he was off the coke and all that. So just when, just to see Joker say the words Neon Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Holding the model that he furnished for the movie. That was his, that was his fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that, I mean, my, my thoughts on the movie were just kind of, eh, it's okay. Um, so, yeah, um, I felt like we've kind of gone into this because, I mean, it's Batman, so it's pretty standard. But, um, Charbo, how'd you feel about this particular movie's cast of characters and the setting? Also, we can go into probably actors in that case, because that also was kind of interesting. Honestly, the setting was there. I mean, Gotham is usually done dirty, I guess is the best way I put it. Uh, yeah. the, the actual sets were very good. And, and I really enjoyed sort of the raw iron, the exposed rivets and all that. That was a really interesting. Uh, but like the actual setting setting is that said the characters. I, I've already said my piece about Bruce Wayne. Uh, I, I do think fucking Jack Nicholson sold the Joker real hard, but also could have been better, but was more limited by the script than anything. Because it, it, as Rafferty has said, it was complete. It was kind of all over the place. And like a more coherent Joker probably. As as striking as a lot of the scenes in were, um, mostly character. There were a lot of characters, but most of them just either die or just kind of get ignored. But I will say, Vicky Vale fucking sucks in every sense of the word. Yeah. Oh my god, she existed a to be all over Batman, e yes e <laughs> b to get sexually harassed constantly, uh, and c to be a fucking damsel. Stop. Yeah, because she was, like, supposed to be some major photographer and supposed to be, like, famous and important and just gets relegated yeah, she, she to trash. she did wartime photography. Yeah. And then she just kind of gets shit on the entire movie. Had to make more screen time for Knox. Yeah, exactly. Also, this is something that I just... Because, I, I mean, I'm not super familiar with that era. Um, wasn't Kim Basinger, like, an actually known name at that point? Yep. Like... She was kind of big enough. Oh yeah, these 
these are all A-listers. Because uh, Michael Keaton had done, like, multiple Mr. Mom. Uh, Kim Basinger was in, like, you know, she was considered all sexy in nine and a half weeks. Um, though I, she did do My Stepmother is an Alien before this. That's probably down. But she was doing, like, a lot of the erotic thrillers before that was saying she was No Mercy, Blind Date, nine and a half weeks. Uh, so, yeah, she was a big draw. But... Yeah, it... Yeah, no, she was fucking awful the whole way through. Oh, my God. Um, I, I Also, the thing about Knox is... <sighs> Knox is fucking terrible. All he does is harass Vicky. And when he isn't doing that, he's being your really nosy, annoying reporter stereotype. Because I don't... I think they want Vicky attractive, essentially. Yeah. Like, she was supposed to be, uh, I guess, eye candy or whatever. And if she was being the nosy reporter, we couldn't have that. So instead, she just fawned us over Batman. Those are really the only characters I remember in my head. Yeah. Like, my son uh, just kind of get forgotten. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, it's just, in hindsight, it's more of, like, naturally, I don't even know why they had him as this character, but uh, Harvey Dent in the, is in this movie. You know, the character who becomes Two-Face. Uh, it's Billy D. Williams. Lando Calrissian! Does yeah. absolutely nothing. Yeah, they could have had that be any other character. Also... Well, they I mean, were world building. They were setting it up for the whole franchise. I was, was going to say they wasted Billy Williams. They yeah. Didn't. Oh yeah, we all agree on that. Uh yep. Yeah. Uh so you, that you're good, Turbo. Yeah, I'm. I'm good. Okay. Uh, so Rafferty. Well, I already mentioned that there's a tone of the movie where it's being directed by Tim Burton, who Edward Scissorhands, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Those are good movies, and they have comedic pacing. There's a scene in this movie where. Oh no, it turns out that um, the Joker is putting poison in our pharmaceuticals and it has kind of a Tim Burton style it's riff on bad TV. But then after that, like when the news reporters show up, they're not wearing any makeup and you can see all their blemishes and bad hair, you know, as like a, a side joke. You guys remember that? Not really. <laughs> yeah, no. right after the reporting, when they just the close-ups, the, the, the reporter guy was in the pre- you can see his zits and his coworker, her hair is all messed up. You guys didn't even notice that? That's the funniest joke in the movie. No, not at all. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I might have actually checked out that moment I was looking at something else. Well, it, it's also like an hour and 15 minutes into the movie. Because remember you said, like, the first... When Joker confronts Grissom, is at the 40 freaking minute mark. Um, so, um, the... Um, when, it, when it had comedic toning like that, uh, he was pretty good. But, uh, like I said, everything else is, is slow. Because, like, it, there's something wrong when there's a funny sight gag like that. And you all have checked out and don't notice it. Like, like what is the, what it was, I can agree. It, it, it's, everyone agrees the set design is amazing. And they went to the, the British production company, the same one that did Aliens. Uh, and those guys worked really cool and read the comic books and picked out the better bits of it. Uh, the Neil Adams era, the Frank Miller era, and all that scary Gothic architecture is all in the movie. It's all on display. And everyone loves the set. So, um, but the movie itself is filmed like a comedy. There's too many characters. None of you brought up Alicia. Remember Alicia? Uh, no. <laughs> so the entire reason why oh. Grissom has Napier iced is because Grissom is stealing Napier's girlfriend, who is yep. Alicia, played by Daria Hall, who you don't remember because, number one, she doesn't get any speaking lines, and number two, she gets her face mauled. So, um... Uh, I would say she, she says, like, two lines over the course of the movie, and one's at the very beginning... When she was talking with the Joker about cheating. Right. And then also after she had her face fucking melted. She has her face she has her face melted, 
uh, in the most superficial way because it's a movie. They have to make her ugly, but not too ugly. And then if you're going to use comic book parlance, she gets fridged. So when, because when the Joker says, hey, Vicky, I'm here to kidnap you, only I'm going to forget to kidnap you. By the way, I killed my previous girlfriend and I'm going to laugh about it because I'm mentally disturbed. Ha <laughs> ha. So, yeah, I mean, this movie is is tonally dissonant. Uh, and it, like if it's supposed to be set in a world where crime is run rampant, this movie is like nonsensical. Like like the Joker, like, like people commit crimes in this movie. We have somebody tries to mug a tourist. Then we have like, so the thugs own Axis chemicals, but another person's going to raid it. But then they're just going to reopen this factory and distribute poison from there, even though the owners are actually were killed in broad daylight. So no one's going to investigate why the smokestacks are still pumping toxicity in the atmosphere. Like no one's going to go look. The Commissioner Gordon keeps saying, we, we have no idea where he is. We, they, he couldn't have gone back to that factory that has the lights on. Um, like, like no one does any crime in this movie. Um, Batman drives a car and then stops it and gets out and then gets back in. Do you remember that part? That kind of. In other words, like the movie is very popular. The movie is, uh, it's got that thing. It sets up what a bunch of movies after this are going to do, what the shadow is going to do after this, what Phantom is going to do about this. And what a bunch of nineties movies do after this, which is it looks really good on the screen and it's got really big, nice set pieces and looks great in the theater, but nothing follows anything else and makes any sense. And so you don't really get a good sense of setting and and so um it's not it's not set in a comic book world because there's no action it's not a comedy because you guys are missing the jokes uh it's not a drama about how haunted Bruce is because his parents come up as a kind of an afterthought uh it's not about coping with mental illness because this movie's terrible at it this movie is just a bunch of sights and images on the screen uh it's it's noted for being a very big budget movie at the time when comic book movies were getting really short shrift. This is the era of Superman four and the Punisher and Swamp Thing. So the fact that this got any big treatment at all was big spectacle. But no, the it if this is you guys have already played the Batman games, including Arkham Asylum. You can remember a lot more about Arkham Asylum and its plot and story than you. Doesn't that was movie really fucking long and it just kind of loses its the thread after a while. Yeah, it's it like as I mentioned earlier, there's too many characters. Grissom doesn't need to be in this. Elias Knox doesn't need to be Billy D. Williams is wasted. There's too many characters and it takes too long and moves too slowly. Yeah. Uh you good? Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Uh Carnival. I mean, uh, I was gonna say I like the set design, even though it sets an image that was prop that's better than what was done in later films in regards to to the Christopher Nolan trilogy. And I think the best, the better evolution of this is in the recently that came out this year, Birds of Prey movie. But and otherwise, everything's already been said about the character. Okay. Uh, X. Um, I mean. When I watched it, I enjoyed it. I thought it was paced all right, but I can see how there are definitely wastes. Uh, nobody mentioned one of the other big wastes, who's a major character in the entire franchise, Commissioner Gordon, who gets like very little screen time and does very little, period, played by uh, Pat Hingle. And uh, I only remember Pat Hingle because... I like MASH, and he was on an episode of MASH, and I just remember him very distinctly. Uh, and again, you know, Billy D. Williams just completely wasted potential with, with him, you know, a fantastic actor and, and a, you know, a really important character to the franchise as well. So, you know, two major characters just get 
very little screen time versus Bob, you know, just some throwaway thug that Nicholson just blasts away for no apparent reason. Um, there are issues with the movie. You know, I, I enjoyed it a lot, but it's, it's, it's not, it would be unfair to say that it's a perfect film, that it's without flaw. I don't think it's as egregious as is being argued here. I think it's, I think that's a little exaggerated. Um, but there are definite issues with some of the, some of the plot. Um, and some of the dialogue as well is definitely out of place. The rhubarb quote makes no sense. I've, I've tried to sit here and think of a way to, uh, defend it and I can't. And that says something because I can that defend. The entire scene is full of non sequiturs. It, it, there is just stuff that doesn't fit. Like, it felt like, as I mentioned before, it felt like they were trying to do a more serious Cesar Romero style Joker where he still does like goofy shit, but it's, it, they're trying to also ground it in a reality that doesn't seem to work for some of the gags they're trying to do. Yeah, I don't no, think. I... Yeah, I don't fact, think that I missing you on, on, on that because I thought I noticed that when they did the commercial sequence, they did that, and that's weird because if you read reviews about this movie, everyone's saying, "Oh no, it's 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 not the '60s Batman; it doesn't look like it at all." And yet, I agree with you. That was a he looked like he was riffing on Caesar Romero and doing a great job because he's Jack Nicholson. Yeah. The other thing too is, is I don't feel that missing a single sight gag means that we missed out on a lot because there's there's some stuff that I th I thought was kind of funny. I thought. I honestly thought that Michael Keaton's take on Bruce Wayne was definitely a little more interesting than Conroy's. Now, I like Conroy. Conroy does a good job, but Conroy plays the same character on both sides. Whereas Keaton, with his, his take on Bruce Wayne, is this is a guy who's very clearly in over his head in a lot of these situations, or at the very minimum, he's pretending to be, because that's where he comes off during a number of these scenes. And then he's supposed to be sort of cunning, but it's not really done super well. I think it's less Keaton and more just the direction that he's given and the material he's given, if that makes sense. Um, but I think what Keaton tried to do with Bruce was a lot more interesting and gave him a little more depth than just, okay, he's got money. It's the, he, he was a doofus. He was a complete doofus as Bruce, Bruce Wayne. As Batman... I couldn't really say anything because it was the, the stiffest thing I've seen in the movie. Um, like his entire performance as Batman is t completely stiff and not just because he can't move. Sorry, not to, not to interrupt too much. No, no, no. I just remembered also, it takes like 20 minutes for Bruce Wayne to appear. Yeah, it's, 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 there's, there is dissonance in this film. There's, there's definite, they're trying to do part comedy. They're trying to do serious. They're trying to do action. I thought some of the action scenes worked really well, but at the same time, watching Batman mow down people and commit like serious crimes when he's supposed to be a vigilante who's supposed to be stopping crime didn't make sense. So, like, my initial viewing was a lot more rosy eyed, despite the fact that this is probably maybe the second time I've ever seen it and I'm not a big superhero fan, but I enjoyed it a lot. But now that we're talking about it, I can see some of the cracks. Uh, and I definitely agree w with some of the criticisms. I think I don't agree with all of them. Uh, as far as the setting goes, it's kind of like a, it's a little bit more than the Sonic cartoon, but Gotham is there and Gotham is garbage. Gotham is grimy. Gotham is terrible. It's a suck hole. And, you know, I, I felt like having that be its one and only defining feature was kind of disappointing because, I mean, it's supposed to be an analog of New York, and I think New York is a little bit more than just some of the, the grime holes that um, unfortunately are there. 
and Gotham does get a, a bad shake. Uh, and it's just a shame that some of the characters were wasted, especially, you know, Gordon and Billy D as uh, as Harvey Dent. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I thought everyone was OK. I, I except for the Joker. I, I liked everything else was like, oh, Gotham just looks like imposing city and all the characters are like, oh, yep, that, that's who they are. No one really stood out. And yeah, Vicky Vale kind of sucks, or as characterized. Um, and yeah, they just had uh, nothing really stood out to me. Um, so yeah, that's just my general take. So it's kind of gotten brought up. So let's just go ahead and have this because I feel like up from this was the first time I feel that there was a Batman thing in, I would say, a non-comic format. That was actually trying to be the, you know, serious Batman. I think, like, because what, previously, I mean, the last one was Batman 66, right? Yeah, that was the only film before this one. Yeah, so. Well, there there was a, a movie, not during the cartoons, there also was a movie series in the 40s, which you can look up and has not aged well at all. Oh, no. I'm guessing it was on par with the Superman series. No, oh. no, as in... Oh no, the Superman series has moments where it's good. No, no, like like we're talking like hella racist. Yeah, like hella wartime World War II propaganda racist. Oh, yeah, I believe I one can, of the I actual lines that. is until all the Japanese were rounded up by our wise and benevolent government is an actual series. Jesus. <laughs> so I'm happy I didn't uh see that, and I don't think I ever will. Yeah. Yeah. I'm um, good. Yeah, so I just let's just have, you know, the debate. I guess. Let's do it. Uh, so, serious versus com- uh, serious Batman versus comedic Batman. Which do you prefer? Ah, uh, honestly, I, 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 I should say also, what do you? How do you feel this um, film portrayed in that? It tries to straddle that fine line. Like, again, we're watching this. We're watching this in 2020. Okay, so we've kind of got a, an extra bit of hindsight now that we've got we've got. Old school Batman, which was goofy with um, Adam West as Batman. And then we've got the complete polar opposite with Christian Bale and Heath Ledger in uh, Dark Knight. All right. And I, I stick with Dark Knight because that that for me was kind of like an apex uh, of the entire franchise. Um, and you look at this movie and Nicholson's performance sits in in the direct middle for me. He has the elements of Romero's Joker, the, the goofiness, the gags, you know, the cards, you know, he, he names himself after one of the playing cards that he has. He pulls out a gun with an extremely long barrel, and it's not a metaphor for a giant penis. It's just not. Don't worry about it. You know, he, he shoots down a fucking plane with said gun, you know, but on the other other side of it, he is also an evil character. He's doing these terrible things and there are scenes where he plays it a little more he plays it a little more serious while still goofing around um and i think it's i think it's an actually pretty good performance i prefer ledger's performance more i think the the more serious one was better but still they somehow managed to pull off a very good balance between the the lightheartedness of the the 60s uh batman and you know I guess if we're just looking at directly at time, that they take that and they take it a little more seriously. And I thought that they did, they did a decent job with that. So to answer the question, which I prefer, 
both because they both have their own place. You know, the sixties Batman has its own spot and this, this Batman has its own spot and trying to pick one over the other. I, I couldn't really do. Okay. Uh, what about you, Carnival? There'll be no like major, major film that will ever do the bad kind of Batman thing that I want because Batman should play and be playing everything completely serious as him, the character while the rest of the world just is absolutely gonzo and nonsense. And that Batman should just be seen as this, is just reacting to everything as seriously as, as it's the, as his, as it's his parents' funeral again. Whether it be some star alien that comes and brainwashes people, or it be, or it be some just random crook, everything should, Batman should react to everything the same way. But they'll never do a major movie that, leans into that thing this movie gets a better idea of what i would like for it but it's never going to happen in the sense that i want it common i do have to ask have you seen mask of the phantasm no i just never oh, had wow. a chance that was theatrically released and that is that is actually uh considered probably the the best of the animated line all right then i have to i'd have to just i would recommend checking it out as you it's heard fucking in the top five but yeah because that's exactly, like, that's, granted, like I said, that's animated, like I said, but none of the live action scenes, the executives yeah. are all cowards, will never do something <laughs> like that in a live action film. No, Phantasm is uh, Conroy and Hamill at their absolute best in regards to those roles in the entire franchise. But okay. yeah, so it's better at what I would want from kind of any, either, or, or especially, specifically Batman or any super property, but it's not there. Okay. Uh... Rafferty. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt there. I'm going to mention, uh, I would say that there's actually three Batman we're talking about. We're talking about the comedy era with Adam West. We're talking about the serious era that goes from Burton to Schumacher to Bale. And we have to talk about the Batman, the animated series, which is, you know, by Dini and Tim, which is a different animal. It, it's, it, it takes different casting to it. It's made with a young adult audience in mind. So it's a little different. And, um, but uh, in terms of the movies, the comedy movies, they're really silly, but the actors like are all, you know, the actors bring their A games. The Batman movie area, some days you can't some days you can't get rid of a bomb is a line that is funnier than anything in the Burton movie. Uh, Dance the Devil Pale Moonlight, what? And the actors actually interact with each other. Burton's movie sets the sets up the Batman that all of you are describing that you hate. You describe him as a rich person who beats up psychopaths. That's not the Batman in the Adam West version. He works with the police and tries to bring people to justice and solve crimes and stop things. Burton is where Batman does interact with criminals. Criminals performing vague sorts of crimes that involve poisoning people. This makes money somehow, step three, profit. Or throwing money to idiots in the street while they poison gas them. Um, this is a crime that'll make us money and rich. Um, and that starts the era of Batman shows up in a military vehicle that he acquired somehow and shoots everyone with chain guns. You see that this happens again in the Bale movies where he's doing it on his bike and on his Batmobile. Uh, you see it in the Snyderverse where he's just murdering people left and right. Um, and and all of you, uh, the whole consensus among all of you seems to be that, well, this Batman's not likable. I mean, you know, he's he's the least interesting part about the movies. Whereas, Rafferty, I hate the Adam West Batman, so... Well, okay, uh, even if you hate so, the Adam West Batman, I, and I'm, I don't want to defend the Adam West Batman, I'm talking about, like, Compare that to the animated series 
And Arkham Asylum, which is built directly off of the animated series, you literally have Paul Dini writing it and Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill and a bunch of other voice actors coming back to reprise the roles. It, you know, that video game franchise, which is the most popular of all the Batman games, not the other gazillion Batman video. I mean, the Nintendo game, is that even a Batman game? It's, you know, got Firefly in it, I guess. But like what I'm getting at here is you're asking me like which one I, you know, if I had to prefer, I'm going to pick the Diniverse over both of them. Because in that one, Batman actually interacts with people. You've probably all seen the famous YouTube clip of Batman goes into a park to talk a superheroine down before she dies of brain cancer. Have you guys seen that one? It's kind of yeah. a Yeah, I mean, so Batman can be portrayed as an interesting person to interact with. But the movies, you know, when Batman shows up, the movie is bored of him. And then the audience is bored of him. Just machine guns people and flies up against the sun. It's campy, but he's also dark. Oh, he's so haunted and all this kind of stuff. And then you get Clooney and Kilmer. What are they doing? So really, I, I mean, I wouldn't pick either of those because um, really the one reason why I hate this movie is because it's cemented the idea in people's heads that, oh no, Batman's boring. When you go to see a Batman movie, you should not expect anything out of Batman. He's just going to waste your time and be boring because serious Batman is not an interesting character, which is a thing that still baffles me to this day when you go see a movie about someone you don't. I'm going to say real quick though, the animated series also has the luxury of time. Um, I'll still throw up Mask of the Phantasm in a vacuum. I'd still think I've like that. That's a it's it's um, also that's also animated too. So. Right, well, but of course that's the problem. Oh, it's animated, um, which the comic books. But if we have art like a comic book, we can see that. That wasn't it, what it's, I it's said. You no, just keep saying you keep saying right, stuff I that I said. That's not what I said. That's not. I mean, I agree that because it's you keep saying, well, it's animated. I said it's animated it, because it had it had more time for them to work on it and make it better than the live action films. That's the only point I was trying really? to make. Yes. They only they made the movie in a, they made the animated movie in a year and they made the live action movie. They also have the benefit of the time of working on the TV show compared to So they made the TV show and the animated movie at the same time whereas Burton was only working on one movie. Right, Burton really didn't have the resources that they had when they were doing Mask of the Phantasm and the animated show. They had way more stuff to go off of by the time Mask of the Phantasm came well, out. Well, that doesn't explain Batman 2 or Batman Forever, but um I mean, yeah, that, I mean that, that, that's just kind of, I, I just, it is kind of funny where we hear the comment of, well, uh, so that is your, I, I realize it is your take. It's animated, therefore it must have taken longer. But actually, Bass of Phantasm was done by four different animation units and done in less time than the movie. But moving on from there, basically, yeah, the thing, the thing is, if I had to pick one, I don't want to pick this because this is the beginning of the end. This is the beginning of Snyder Batman. Okay. Uh, Turbo. This is, but, uh, Serious Batman has the problem of it can too easily fall into the fucking edgelord shithole that so much of the more recent Batman stuff has done. Funny Batman sucks. Uh, though I, I will say the best intersection of the two has been Batman the Brave and the Bold. Yes, absolutely. Uh, which was an animated series that kind of just embraced all that was Batman. Andrew Beer is awesome. Yeah. No, no. Uh, highly recommend folks check out Batman the Brave and the Bold if you're at all interest because it basically it, it sort of married together a bunch of different uh aspects of batman uh especially like older like silver age stuff uh it was basically a love letter to batman and it was really good and once again it was this really good intersection of both serious and funny batman uh, and i thought it worked really uh that's it i do feel the the animated series did batman pretty well too it did the serious batman right but i feel like part of that's also because it had uh, the limits put upon it by by the the 
production companies and the, the channels they aired on to sort of wear away at the edge that uh, the movies would not actually have. Uh, so it would keep it fr quite from going down that hole. Uh, that said, it also had the... What I meant when I said the luxury of time is it had a number of episodes to expand upon the Batman character and really build him and his cast of villains and companions. Yeah, because, I mean, literally they got the directors of Demo 4 to do it. So, yeah, I can see what you're talking about. They already had some stride. Whereas right, that's by, exactly, this is, Burton that's exactly is, what I was getting at. Is, is uncharted. Well, right, but that's not going to explain the later movies. <laughs> okay, but what we're talking about this, we're talking about Mask of Phantasm. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. it's kind of what I meant, though. Yeah, so I, I, I would say the intersection is generally better, but if I had to pick, I would say serious, but not trace. Because once again, it's Batman as a character and also his entire rogues gallery as this issue of being like too close to the edge in part because Frank Miller cursed the entire series. A lot of things. No, no. I, I'm just going to turn around and say, no, it, Burton cursed it. This movie is where all of it goes downhill. But didn't you okay. say earlier that this movie took notes from Miller's work? So then technically torpid would. Well, the point I, is, it's, it's like, probably a combination of the two. It, it's a combination. It's sort of like after, like, like Miller makes a Dark Knight Returns, which, by the way, is a limited series that's apart from the regulars. You know, the regular series keeps going without him. But when this movie comes out with, oh, yeah, no, Batman chain, you know, it hunts down, every villain is psychotic and thus must be punished for being psychotic. And Batman uses chain guns and military hardware to shoot everyone. You know, like that entire dark aesthetic of we can't, we, we can't, we can't make any jokes now, which is weird because the Burton movie does crack jokes. But if you read all the press, they say, oh, no, this isn't the press at the time says this isn't the 60s Batman. Batman's all serious now, even though we watched the movie and you would agree. Keaton's actually a little lighter than I remember. He cracks wise like you don't weigh, uh, you weigh more, you know, like, you know, he's a little looser than this. But this movie for better or worse, everyone said, oh, yeah, the set design in this is dark, and people get killed. Batman, you know, it's okay to kill. Like, it's all, everything follows after this. Shoemaker's ideas, Snyder's ideas, or the, 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 where does he get those wonderful toys? All of that snowballs from this movie. Okay. I, I still stand by, though, Miller being responsible for super serious Batman and every, all the fucking baggage that comes with him. Well, you gotta read the Neil Adams run. Regardless, it, though. Yeah, it's how I feel. Yeah, okay. well, it, that's sort of the, in the 60s when the television show came out, the comic guys got mad at it, and so the slide starts early in the 70s. That's when Batman becomes as ugly as you guys are talking about. Okay, but I'm not refuting this. I'm not refuting this. But I do appreciate that Miller gave us Yellow Batman. Yes. Would you like some Yellow Man? Yep. <laughs> Would you lemonade. like some Lemonade? <laughs> anyway. Powerful words to say to a Green Lantern. <laughs> so, um,. We've brought up the fact that Tim Burton did this movie multiple times. He has gone on to have a very distinct style. Well, kind of had it to begin with, but it probably didn't bloom until much later. Um, so, Torpa, how do you feel about Tim Burton doing this movie? Or, mean, or how do you feel like he, how he did this movie? Which I feel eh, like we've already talked about. I mean, Tim Burton really, his style shown through with the treatment of how Jack Nicholson played out. But otherwise, it's it's less overtly his than a lot of his later works would become. They start more or less huffing his own view. Otherwise, I don't really, I don't, I'm not, I don't like Burton as a person huge on his works. But there you go. Okay, uh, Rafferty. I already mentioned that the pacing of it is terrible. 
there's a scene early in the movie where Bruce Wayne's having dinner with Vicki Vale. Uh, well, when they go to the Bruce Wayne party and like Bruce Wayne shows up, introduces himself, Knox leaves, thank God. He has dinner with Vi Vicki Vale and they go to the kitchen and then Alfred gets a few lines. All of that hinted, wow, we could be watching a good movie where people speak in English sentences that follow one another and actually interact with each other. And that shining moment showed that Burton is a good director who could put people around. Then we go back into, I mean, I don't know if we can blame the script on him because it seems to be written by, like I said, like cutting up a script and piecing it together. The action sequences are just terrible. Uh, there's all this stuff where Batman, like you guys joked earlier, where Batman in the slowest possible move throws a capsule on the ground, it billows with smoke and he slowly rises away. And it's like, that's not an action bit. That's a comedy bit. You guys are laughing at that. If that wasn't a Pee Wee's Herman movie, you know, you know, the Pee Wee Herman movie, it would be funny and slow and have pacing. Burton is just a terrible choice for this because every action sequence in this, it's a Batman, it's an action movie that has terrible action sequence in it. So, um, and, we, and Burton can direct action because Sleepy Hollow is genuinely scary. So, um, uh, it, uh, there's just no punch. He seems to be sleepwalking through this. Um, the set, everyone looks at the set design and identifies that, but I'm I'm convinced it's the other way around. I think Burton showed up, the English guy showed him how to make a dark movie of some of his stuff, and this movie molded Burton into Burton where he decided, oh, I'm the creepy kooky guy now. Uh, you know, I did Beetlejuice, so I'm going to do creepy and kooky. In fact, yeah, even Beetlejuice is better action sequence. What the hell? So yeah, this, I don't know. This is just terrible, and I don't know what Burton was thinking. Okay. Uh, Carnival. I like that either Burton didn't, his, like, some, there seemed to be a bit more over Burton doing the overt Burton stuff that would come later, and it, the movie's better for it. Some of the just idiosyncrasy, for lack of a, for lack of time for a on him, don't, aren't great, and thus keeping them out of, out of it. Okay. Uh, next. I, I want to digress just briefly. Because uh, there was a point that I, f I forgot to make. It's it's not an important point, but there are times in the movie where Kim Basinger kind of looked like Claudia J Jacobs from Space Mutiny. Uh, and I was I just thought that was uh, funny, and I just noticed that in my notes. So I kind of wanted to just mention that. Right. But um, uh, I have I have misgivings about Tim Burton. I think he's very... I, I don't like using this word because it can be... It, it's kind of lazy to use this word. But at the same time, I think it kind of fits Burton. He's a he's hacky. He's very much a one note kind of person. He's very much like Tarantino. They have they have their bit and they stick to it. They don't diverge from it. Uh, Burton does his gothic, dark, grim, with just the slightest bit of you know humor to it kind of style. You saw it in Beetlejuice. You see it in dark, uh, in a uh, Batman. Uh, you got it in Nightmare Before Christmas. Frank and Weenie. You know, Edward Scissorhands. Everything has this sort of feel to it that's very Tim Burton esque, and it's it's so overdone. And you know, we're, again, we're watching this in 2020, so we've got a lot of his catalog to look at. At the time, this was fresh and new, um, but this is where you definitely see his his signature start to take hold, and he doesn't let go of it for the rest of his career. And it's very annoying. Um, I don't think... I, again, my favorite Batman film happens to be Dark Knight. I think it's absolutely the best adaptation of live action 
for it, whereas the animated best adaptation is Mask of the Phantasm and animated series. I'll probably check out Brave and the Bold on when I get time. But um, no, uh, Tim Burton, I don't think, was a very good choice. The only good choice choices that were was that the set pieces were good and Nicholson kicked ass. Outside of that, Tim Burton just had a little too much influence, and I, I think it, it kind of affects it in a negative way for me. Okay. So and Also, real quick, I will say once more, this has been said a few times, but the movie was way too fun. Two yeah. hours. Way too fuck. It was two hours crammed full of shit, but so much of it wasn't relevant or just all over the place, and it was kind of frustrating. I I'm gonna level with you. I fell asleep at the end of the movie. Yeah. I at one point I had to step away for like half an hour, and I felt like I missed nothing. That also, is the kind of movie I saw. Also, I I have I have a nitpick. When Nicholson grabs the the rope ladder for the the helicopter and uh. Keaton wraps the 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 rope around his his leg. They could have just flown the helicopter back over the thing and let him fall off back on it, and he would have been fine. Yeah, but that's that's you know, smart. and that pisses me off. That pisses me off so much. You can't do smart things in an <laughs> superhero movie, or else the movie would not. You know, like what? <laughs> no, uh, uh, I'm. See, this is what I'm talking about. Uh, you're saying the movie's not supposed to be smart. It's supposed to be stupid. And I don't think that's a fair assessment. I, 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 was, I, I was more more going along God. the lines of uh, just the fact that it's not, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I did want to bring, uh, there is a signature Burton moment I forgot about. Everyone remembers the mirror scene because it's been buried so many times where he says mirror. And then he smashes the mirror and gives a big long speech and laughs. That's a great scene. But Torpid was probably asleep because it doesn't show up until the 45 minute mark. I told you, I fell asleep at the very end. All right, I missed well, was the helicopter. Okay, but yeah. So but an it's hour like, and 45 it, minutes. That's how long the movie is. It's kind of like, there are these great scenes, but no one remembers. Hey, let's have... I mean, it, it takes so long to get there. Yeah. Um, also, uh, I just wanted to point out the uh, writer of this movie, uh, which is Sam Hamm. Uh, his most prominent works are Batman and Batman Returns. Um, I like the fact that on his IMDb, his known for is Batman. Batman Returns, um, the street, the street of fruit of fruiting bodies, uh, and Batman Returns: The Genesis Game, uh, which is funny considering apparently he also wrote Monkey Bone. Uh, Monkey is, Bone, which uh, is uh, the worst Tim Burton movie Tim Burton never made. Anyway, um, is there a Monkey I, Bone game? No, thank God. <laughs> uh, no, so. Maybe th- I am probably going to stay from asking this because I don't. I haven't really watched a lot of Tim Burton movies, so I really don't. No, I just figured I know that more people watch more of his stuff. I just find his stuff to be, you know, not my thing. But um, yeah. So I think that's enough talking about this particular movie. Um, so uh, let's go ahead and rank this. So uh, we are going to rank this in our usual style. Uh, we have a 1 to 21 scale, with 1 being considered absolute mastercraft, and 21 being absolute dreck, not even even ironically fun to watch. Um, so we are going to put this in our list. So uh, each one of you is going to give me a number ranking, starting with X. So uh, transparency, when I, when I watched it on my own, I was going to actually rank it pretty high. Um, after our discussion and giving it a lot more thought, I actually kind of want to put it more towards the center, somewhere around like 11 to 13. That's where I feel most comfortable. Okay. 
So 11 to 13? Yeah. Okay. Um, Carnival. I enjoyed it, but I've already said I'm a superhero fan. So to it, I'm, a, I'm an audience going into it. That's a favorable one. Uh, r- real quick, Lolo. Could you read off what's from 10 to 12? Uh, like in terms of like what we have in this list already? Yes. Okay, so let me see. Um, well, that's great because neither one of them really had. Well, so okay, here. Actually, I better can I probably actually sort those. Um, so because we have two lists, we have the ones that have games based on movies and movies based on games, blah blah blah. Uh, in the game one, we at ten we have Wizardry, the OVA. Um, and at eleven we have Adventures of the Penguin. Um. We do not. The next thing on the games list is Salamander at fifteen. Um, if we look at the other movie list, we have the only we have eleven, which is Little Nemo, uh, Adventures of Slumberland, and then twenty one in Megami Tensei Digital Devil Saga. So we have kind of a area that we need to fill. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm just saying, keep that in mind when ranking is the numbers that we already have. Um. So Rafferty, you know, actually after this discussion and watching the movie again, I'm, I'm going to rate it a little higher than normally would. I'm going to go with 17. Okay. I mean, Purple. it has a good score. It's a signature movie that everybody remembers. I think my, the actors actually gave a better performance than I remember. Um, sadly, Knox is in the movie, who I forgot about. Um, but um, it, it's this thing where you guys didn't, you, no one enjoys watching it. It's long, it's slow, and the signature bits, you want to fast forward to them. Yeah. Uh, Torpo. I was going to say like 13. Okay. Uh, so it seems like our range is between, for most of us being 11 to 14, with Rafferty being 17. Rafferty's an outlier and should not be counted. <laughs> well, no. Well, no, because I'll, because I'm just kind of looking at this. I do kind of feel like it probably will be. Like, I do kind of think of, like, especially, like, Axis, I do think low, like, 13. Sounds about right, because it was kind of, for the most part, a little less than average. Um, So I do feel like that 13, 14 range is probably actually a good spot for it. Um, I don't know if it's quite, like, I I would say it's a better quality because you're comparing it to, like, Salamander. I feel like it's a better production than that. Um, but the money is maybe, on display. Yes. Uh, but maybe also not as much better than that. Actually, much like Salamander, you'd figure that that's a thing that's very action packed. Much like this movie is not. Um, so I would say, cause let me, let me just take a look at my kind of bare bones. So 14 I have is right in the middle. Cause this is a rainbow scale. It's right in the middle of the yellow. Uh, and the specific um, phrasing that I have for it is kind of meh, which actually I feel is actually a really good description right. of this movie. Now, see, like, I'm kind of an outlier here because I heard all, I heard you folks say there were things with this movie that made you angry. You don't like the, uh, some, Axe doesn't like the way it portrays mental illness. Uh, Torpid and Lolo don't like superhero as a genre. Um, I mean, I'm not saying you're angry about that. I'm angry about the portrayals of women in where they're sacks of flour who exist only to either get kidnapped or have sex. Um, and I'm angry at the action sequences that are, you know, boring and badly scripted. And also I'm angry that this movie set the entire template. That's why I'm rating it this low because 
Matt, I can understand if you were just kind of bored by it, but I'm bored and there's things that I didn't like in the On my end, I wasn't bored by the film. I have my misgivings about it and I have my criticisms, but I still enjoyed it. And I know Carnival also said that they enjoyed the film. Okay, uh, that would be a reason to rate it higher, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. the thing also with a lot of that is because also a lot of that is like, especially my superhero thing, that is super mere. Like, if you think about it, I don't like superheroes. So if I thought it was okay then i guess that in a weird way that actually would kind of elevate it's positive it. yeah i was uh, gonna say like for my case it's me taking a step outside of myself for a hot second yeah so and also like yeah like for a superhero movie i thought it was like it is one of the more enjoyable superhero ones that i have seen um like i like i said my only viewing of batman stuff is really batman forever in batman and robin which granted though that is a incredibly low bar for me to step over but still that's really weird that you've seen those because no one likes those movies. yeah i know but i was an idiot child also um and not to get into an argument but i just i thought it was interesting that you you mentioned the joel schumacher films as being more serious when they could have been anything but serious those those were like just the worst kind of camp yeah it's, it's not nice to see you yeah Okay, okay. Let me make an exception. Arnold and his puns. Puns are always good. That that's just law, and you can't fight that. So like, he's the one saving point of that. But yeah. You killed off the dinosaurs. The Ice Age. Carnival. A pun. You should chill out. <laughs> I'm putting those 14 so we can stop. <laughs> um. Yeah. Also, because I think we need some stuff that's in the lore. <laughs> here um yeah so and yeah, batman 1989 is now in 14 i'll put in the number later and by putting the number later i mean i'll forget about it and i'll say oh hey i need to put number in and then forget about it again uh so is there anything that we want to call out regarding music charm uh cinematography storyline action and art the sets is that be cinematography or would that be in that'd be art yeah i'd okay. say that'd be art then art in art and score get up enough that everything else really doesn't i would say the only charm comes from jack nicholson really uh definitely like thumbs down on the action like the big yeah. action sequence at the end uh, bad guys are literally throwing themselves at batman and falling off the tower one guy jumps at him and falls through a hole in um yeah Movie is very much it. It's very much like a Silver Age kind of film, in a way. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Um, also, how did people not know who Bruce was? That's literally like the same no, way. No, no, everyone... Bruce. They didn't know who Bruce himself was. Oh wait, he right. has empty, right. they open his yeah. file and say he has an empty file. Well, he's a billionaire, but he has an empty file. Um, it's a bad movie. Um, let's see. Uh, yes or nays? Uh, I can definitely think of one nay. We've mentioned me a lot. Let me guess. Uh, length. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> length. Is there length. a refrigerator emoji? I think there is, but... I don't feel like that, that was might... important enough to note, though. Yeah, um, that's... This kind of is a woman. Women have no useful function in this, except as foils it... or to get horribly killed and the... abused and murdered. Yep. The only th thing I would say about this, and it's uh, one of those things that I wish I didn't have to say, but if we were going to put that for every specific instance of that, 
I, I would have to add an additional okay, I, slot. I just brought it up because it's a comic book movie that's originated with comics because... Should, uh, should we hit this with a yikes just for, you know, the whole thing? The whole, that and also the mental illness stuff? I, I can... Yeah, I can I can see it. Yeah. yeah. This movie um, certainly doesn't play it up as much as the Bales do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Aren't that... Uh, I noticed that, or mentioned that there was some pacing issues, so I can kind of put the slug there. Yeah, it is slow. The whole scene with the Axis chemical fight where he gets transformed, that's so slow. Yeah. No wonder you're getting Space Mutant. <laughs> well, no, she legit looks like the, the one uh, blonde-haired uh, lieutenant from Space Mutiny at, at certain points. Like, I actually had to go on IMDb and make sure they weren't the exact same actress. Well, they have the same kind of hair, because this is like the tail end of the So, yeah, I can see that. I'm also mad now that I know a name of another actress or person who acted in Space Mutiny. I didn't need that information, but now I have that, and I'm angry. Also, it's great, because you mentioning that, uh, that reminds me of you mentioning that you recognize the guy who played Commissioner Gordon from uh, an episode of MASH. Yes, yes. I recognized, he, him, from an, I recognized him from an episode of Murder, she wrote. Yeah, yeah. He played, um, I forget the character's name, but uh, he, pl- he played a, a, a friend of Colonel Potter's. It was uh, D- Daniel Webster Tucker who helps him play a, a huge prank on the uh, entire Four Seventy Seventh. Yeah, I just remember that there is a mash game, but that's yes, 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 yes. That is much later on. Also, one thing we have mentioned because uh, we have you know done it, uh, we did also play the Batman animated series game. Yes. So theoretically, we could take a look at that at some point. Yes. yes. Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah. Also, and the show, you know, but, and the but show. Mask of the Phantasm. Um, so yeah, uh, that was uh, Batman 1989. So before we move on, um, Axe, is there anything you want to plug? Yeah, I've got a uh, Twitch, twitch.tv slash Axe Immortal. That's A X A M O R E T L. Okay, uh, Carnival, you can follow me, an actual play podcast that I run, a Sarah Peep episode. Daft Dice Pop on Twitter and is Daft Dice Pop. All right. Uh, Rafferty. Uh, well, uh, I work for SanguineGames.com. And uh, until July 31st, speaking of comic books, uh, Matt Howarth and the Myriad Song Collective, uh, we made a series of comic books and a role-playing game based off of 1980s sci-fi comics like Guardians of the Galaxy and that sort of thing. And until July 31st, uh, you can download the game and the comic for free from drivethroughrpg.com. Uh, it is the Myriad Unbound set. Look for that, and you get a, a whole role, tabletop role-playing game and the comic for free. Uh, this is just about a small happiness we can give you in these trying times. All right. Uh, Torpo. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Torpotypist and at Torpotypist on Twitter. Uh, and I would like to plug the whole shot on me by the Batplane. All right. So uh, I need to... I forgot what the next episode is. Ah, yes. Um, yes. So, uh, next episode, we are going to shift gears a little bit. Um, because we are returning to Anime Land um, with yeah, a, very an- a very yeah. anime game. Uh, so, next week, we'll start a two-part uh, episode uh, in which we talk about... Um, I guess technically it was an OVA, but uh, yeah. Uh, we are going to be talking about East. Hell yeah! Hell um, yeah! Which will be interesting because it is something a little bit different than the video game stuff we've covered. So 
yeah, uh, tune into that one. So with that, uh, thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Media Delta. If you would like to view the entire list of rankings for yourself, you can go to r3.ldp.life to see the residence and essence list that Media Delta covers, as well as the other lists that are covered by our sister show, RetroRank Rhapsody. If you'd like to watch RetroRank Rhapsody, you can watch it live on Fridays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Saturdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash loadofpuzzler. Or you can view any of the episodes anytime at youtube.ldp.life. If you would like to help with hosting costs, you can go to patreon.ldp.life and help out with a $2 or $5 pledge. If you would like to discuss this episode in any other episode of our community, you can join our Discord server at discord.ldp.life. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can follow it at Hazeltown Story, or you can follow me, your host, at Lolo DePuzzlo. Thank you for listening, and I hope you come back for a round for the next episode.